For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Two Chunks in a Hunk, a movie podcast where we give pumps and dumps. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks in a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and this week I'm your chunk. I'm Doge and you still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? The perfect organism. My structural perfection is matched only by my chunkiness. <laughs> and I'm Carter. Something has attached itself to Hunk. We have to get him to the infirmary right away. <laughs> well, Carter. Nice. You're the Hunk. That's me. Why? Because it's my movie. But why, but why yeah. though? And y'all forgot my birthday. No, we didn't. You did. Last week, you forgot my birthday. What? Yep. Are you kidding me? Nope. Are you? My two chucks birthday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> One full year. You just scared me to death. <laughs> Sorry. That makes me happy you care that much. Um, yeah, last week, May 15th. Wow. Yeah, May 15th was Crazy Stupid Love. of Last year was May was, was One Crazy year. Stupid Love of May 15th. I wow. can't figure out how to say that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> last year on May 15th, we recorded Crazy Stupid Love. We released your first it. episode. Yeah, that's the one. Dang, yeah, dude, so I've been a around whole for a year. year. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's very exciting. I thought you'd be way better at this by now. But I like, know. We're here. <laughs> that's I'm why still we're here. That's cool. Like, There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're glad to have you. Glad to Happy be here. Happy late birthday. Thank you. Wow, my heart is like pounding because I was like, oh my gosh. I just, after I saw your initial reaction, I was like, oh, I got to milk this a little bit. <laughs> I forgot to buy you all of your watches. I oh. buy all my friends' watches, all of the watches all from Rolex. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Birthday watches. So before we move on, I want to address a growing problem in this nation of ours, America. And it's exploding slurpy machines. <laughs> oh yeah. They are running rampant. I feel like this is the time that we say right before we recorded this episode, we took a detour, the three of us, in Jordan's car to a nearby 7-Eleven, blasting Carly Rae Jepsen's new record, which totally Both new sponsors, by, by the way. way. Yeah, thanks 7-Eleven thanks, thanks Carly Rae for Jepsen. sponsoring the show. Thanks for sponsoring. So Carly Rae Slurpee is the nickname. Slurpee Rae Jepsen. Slurpee Rae Jepsen. I like that one much wow, better. Wow, guys, these are good jokes. But <laughs> I went to go get a Coca-Cola flavored Slurpee, and it exploded. 
all across and betwixt my everything. Sure did. And, uh, and then the dude asked Carter. I'm actually Carter. just noticing right now that it's on my glasses. No way. Yeah. And then the dude asked Carter if he wanted a lighter for his... To open up my... To open his Coke. My so. Coca-Cola. Could just not... Bizarre experience all around. He could not it fathom has been, wanting something yeah. other than a lighter. Do you know what else has flamethrowers and spewing liquids? No! Wait, yes. What a segue. This movie that the we're about to talk we're about. talking about, Jordan. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Lead us into that part. Because I do this. <laughs> and that movie is, of course... Alien. Alien. Oh man. Are you Alien. excited, Carter? I'm very excited. I am too. I just realized that it's dark around Casa de Chunk. And we're about to talk about a spooky we monster. We talk about all the scary ones at night, don't we? That's for true. real. We never record any of those happy Disney movies at night. Gosh. It's always the scary monster It's ones. always the scary this monster one, ones. Twilight. So and... this is my part D. This <laughs> part is my uh, Ridley Scott's second uh, film that I've got here for us. So I'm very excited about it. I was watching last night. Um, I'm 30, 30 year old man. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I mean, 30 is not middle aged, but 30 is not a kid. Like 30 is like a young adult. Maybe? I think 30 is yeah. ripened. 30 is just right there. 30 is like the perfect, the perfectly squishy avocado. I was watching with all the lights off in my house. Ooh, it's a and bold decision. There's a street light. That a big tree is in front of, and it was making some shadows sometimes. Sure. Um, I got scared. Yeah. I've seen this movie many times. I said yesterday on the podcast, this was a top five for me. It's still a scary movie. One of the many reasons that I love it very much. True. I watched it in broad daylight at like 10 o'clock yesterday morning. Very scared the whole time. <laughs> very scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm excited. It's, it's a big switch, uh, and yet not because it's still... Sir Scott playing with a lot of the same tools that he normally does. Um, but we're going from Rome to outer space. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, can I ask the question to Doge? I would love that. Doge? Yes. Do you know how to make the story flow mm. from beginning to end and synopsize? It gives us a synopsis. I don't know how you do it, Jordan. Yes. It's a gift. Talk slow so I can drink more of my Slurpee. Uh, Today's synopsis is written by IMDb user Johnny. Wow. (laughs) I had to be quick on the ball to get that name. Man, he grabbed that one quick. He sure did. Is that pride? Like, does he believe that he is the Johnny to end all Johnny? He didn't even put a last initial, did he? Like, what's the deal? He's just like, I'm just Johnny. He got John. In the same way that Cher is Cher and Madonna is Madonna. Jewel, Prince. Johnny Johnny. is Johnny. Sting, Johnny. Phil Collins. (laughs) Johnny says, In the far reaches of space, a crew on board the ship Nostromo are returning to Earth until they receive a distress call, an alien one. (laughs) Unknown to them, they will soon take back with them the most terrifying creature in the universe, the Xenomorph, a killing machine that bleeds corrosive acid whenever anyone tries to hurt it. All alone in space, no one can hear them scream, trying to warn the rest of the galaxy of the terror that is the Xenomorph. Wait, he hits it with the Xenomorph as if that's the title of the film? That's what uh, would be okay. wow. That's what would be uh, like if this was a 1950s sci-fi, like a B movie, a drive-in movie. That's the opening voiceover. Golly, the terror that is the, the Xenomorph. 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 <laughs> um, Don't bring your children. <laughs> Women, look away. 
This movie is not for Cover the faint your of faces. Heart. Trust us. <laughs> um, Bring your kerchiefs. <laughs> you will believe in the terror of the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> we look down. It's for like 20 minutes of us just doing this. But us and all the chunkies are like, don't ever stop. Um, I want to go right into the movie. And it's funny. I'm going to bring up the opening credit because I really, yeah, I really enjoy the opening credit. Yeah, awesome. I was gonna, I you know, you we get we it. get past that 20th Century Fox. I was watching this on Amazon Prime Video. I rented it, which I can't recommend enough. I really do enjoy the X-ray vision that they do. To where, yeah, if you pause or you kind of hover the mouse over, it'll give you everyone that's on screen at that time, the actors, uh, and then any trivia that, that well, there is. Amazon's streaming quality is pretty decent too. Oh yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great. And so, how did you guys watch it? I also rented on Amazon Prime because uh, I could not find a copy of the 4K re-release anywhere. And I did find a copy of that re-release, so I purchased it and I watched it on 4K. Uh, For those of you who care about the technical specs of these kinds of things, this is one of the most gorgeous remasters I've ever seen. The color depth is phenomenal. Uh, There's minimal... There's a problem on the Blu-ray release of oversaturation, and things looked a little bit like candy. Hmm. Uh, This is gorgeous. The blacks in particular really, really stand out to me. Did they do some sound remastering too? Uh, no, this is actually the same mix that was on the Blu-ray. Okay. Um, but it's been cleaned up slightly. Cool. Uh, Ridley Scott was given the option to remaster the sound and, and redo the mix. And he was like, no, I made it sound the way I wanted to for the 2003 Blu-ray. So this oh, cool. is how the, the movie sounds. Interesting. Such a Ridley thing. He's, yeah, kind, he's kind of stubborn in a great old night kind of way. Yeah, for real. Um, this one won Oscar. And it was for best effects, visual effects. Yeah, so we'll, I think that's wildly deserving. Yeah, yeah as do tracks. I. Um, so these opening credits um, are really fun. It kind of just starts out as lines, and then they gradually start to give us Alien. It's a pretty cold open. I mean, there's not too many credits unless I was just kind of distracted by the title I, slowly coming. I wouldn't know if anything else happened because I did spend the entire time <laughs> guessing which line was going to draw next. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, even the way that it builds suspense, though, because you know what the the title is going to be, right? But the it's xenomorph. Still, it's the xenomorph. The terror <laughs> of the xenomorph. <laughs> but it still builds suspense while you're waiting for that. Like even just that small way. Yeah. So I love for that. sure contributes to the atmosphere. So we see in a so he was inspired by a New Hope. By the way, um, it was a cross between a New Hope and Texas Chainsaw Massacre for him. Interesting. Um, makes sense. But we see Nostromo. Which is this massive? Um, what did it say? It was holding it's like a freight hauler, right? Basically, essentially like a semi truck. It's in like space. they're on a tugboat. Twenty right. million tons of mineral ore. Yeah, and so it was technically like a mile and a half long. This just massive, massive thing. Um, and we see something like the opening scene. I love. This is one of those. I really do love movies in general, uh, like Drive, uh, like Alien movies. We've brought up on the podcast before that are not like line heavy. Like they're not script heavy. It's a lot of just kind of show, don't tell, show, don't tell kind of stuff. And so um, what we see, like when we kind of see these images of the ship, um, by the way, almost everything that you will see handheld camera work is Ridley Scott. Oh, wow. What? So it is Ridley. Um, And so we have them all in their pods kind of, and they're opening up and they're awakening from what, what would you call stasis that? Stasis is what they call it. Basically it's like stasis. Hypersleep. Like cryosleep, yeah. Like how many times have you seen that after Alien? Uh, a billion. Like that's the yeah. opening of a movie. Yep. It's just people opening up from stasis. Uh, sometimes it's like, this is way too early. Sometimes it's like, wait, we're yeah. not where we're supposed to be. <clears throat> right. Um, but they open up and um, I'll say too, so this ship, 
Nostromo, the ship that we get to be a part of, uh, was a massive set piece. Yeah. And part of the making of this movie was putting all of these actors in here. And honestly, for several reasons, A, it was kind of uh, from the beginning, it was going to be like a B-movie vibe, but that was before they got Ridley Scott. Yeah. They had this, um, the writer, I think his name was O'Donnell. I can't remember exactly, but the writer of the script, they were looking for all these different directors and actors. Um, and then they they go and say, hey, uh, what about this Ridley Scott guy? He's done these British commercials that were kind of a big deal. And then he did this movie, The Duelist. So really, this is Ridley <laughs> Scott's second movie. <laughs> wow. Um, and Ridley Scott said he walked in and he's got just such this calm. And this is like watching an interview from like the 90s. So it's like it's 25th anniversary or something. Um, but he walks in... Uh, with kind of this, um, oh, how would you say it? Arrogance about him. <laughs> uh, but he's a storyboarder. Uh, I wish you would look up, if you haven't, like any of his big movies, uh, Gladiator, Alien, Blade Runner, especially with Blade Runner and Alien, these sci-fi movies, he storyboards every scene. Interesting. Wow. Uh, with detail, with color, yeah. lighting, all that kinds of stuff. And he walked in with the storyboards of what his idea of it looking like would be. Because... They were going to have kind of a fantastical space odyssey kind of look. Yeah. But he said, I want there to be some kind of realism here. Just because we're in outer space doesn't mean it can't feel gritty and dark. And so he walks in with the storyboards. And within uh, a few days, the budget for this film goes from $4.2 million to $8.4 million. Jeez. So he credits his storyboards to doubling the budget. Wow. Um, and so a lot of it was on this set. Uh, really confined space. You would be able to walk around this entire ship. It's not separate pieces. It's one piece. Um, so they Jeez. would have... And it's also inside of another like hangar type studio thing. So they really don't know what time it is. Like They're kind of being put into these situations that make them uncomfortable. There's a lot of stuff that we'll get into later about how they kind of rag each other on and yeah. kind of got on each other's nerves genuinely. But we open up and we kind of start to get to know them a little Before bit. Before we pass it. Oh, go. The set is my super pump. Oh, cool. For this oh, wow. movie. Yeah. Uh, the ship, the Nostromo feels real in a way that I don't think many other sci-fi sets have been able to do. Yeah. Um, as I was watching this, I was thinking of like something like the new Star Wars movies or like Guardians of the Galaxy, and this ship feels tactile in a way that those don't. Like, I could touch this ship, and I could walk around in this yeah. ship. Um, I think it, it reminds me a little bit of, did you guys see Moon with Sam Rockwell? I no. never saw Moon. Yeah, I watched it the other day by myself. Fantastic. Really good? Uh, really, really good. But, I like Sam but Rockwell. It's that element, and I can't think of another sci-fi movie recently that has done these extensive practical sets like this, but that's just something it, it really... I don't know. I think it everything in this movie serves to heighten the drama and heighten that feeling right. of suspense. But having it in a real interactable place, I think probably affects that in the most the most big way. Yeah, I mean, because there's stuff that you revisit, like you go yeah. back into the infirmary and you kind of do these other things too. So yeah. I love that. Love um, that. I was talking with a guy. Shout out to Taylor Veger. Um, a guy that I had kind of known of, but got to meet really well over this last weekend. And we talked movies and he loves Alien. He loves Ridley Scott. Mm. He played a video game that is on the Nostromo. Yeah, Alien. Alien, uh, Alien Isolation. Yeah. Right? Have Apparently you all played that? the most horrific. No, People, I've heard it so scary. He I watched the trailer for it and I'm out. I'm terrifying. There's yeah. no way if I can't sit by myself in the real world at 30 in a place completely void of xenomorphs, and even watch this movie without being uncomfortable, I'm not playing something as immersive well, as a video game. And like, 
This is not movies necessarily, but like this game apparently for the Xenomorph has the most advanced AI of any enemy character to date. Wow. And it it learns patterns. No. And you can't like hide from it in the same way two times back to back because it will remember what you did last time. And so like if you run from it and hide in a locker as it comes through a room and then the next time you encounter it, you hide in a locker again, it will check the lockers now. Well, we should get it and, and play, play it, together. it together. Oh, shoot. That would be really We just fun. talked about our corporate retreat. Our I'll com- do it. Our company retreat. We should get it and play it together. <laughs> Let's actually that do that. that. that so yeah, let's for sure do that. Yeah. But we all have to play? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I love... Okay. I don't even know when to... And I guess everyone has had trouble with this with like these movies they love so much. I don't know when to just kind of bring into the story of like how much I... I think it's throughout. There's just a realism about conversation and everything that Ridley Scott does in this movie about the setting you kind of forget that it's outer space because it's just kind of gritty. Yeah, something something along those lines that I appreciate a lot about this movie, particularly the opening, is we don't open up, wake up from hypersleep, and immediately go, something's wrong. Let's check the logs. Captain's right. log. Let's send a message home. And like, yeah. it's not a bunch of jargon. The first thing they do is they go eat breakfast and yeah. discuss how much money they're going to make. Right. Because this is not a train set of space marines this is right. a yeah. hodgepodge group of people who all have jobs to do yep. that are just happen to be sharing this ship together as a living space. It feels yep. like the most realistic picture of interstellar travel yeah. that I've seen. I mean, you don't expect yeah. everybody on a boat to be like, we're on the same team for sure. And yeah. we love each they're other. Just there right. to get money. It's they're not a military vessel, you know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and I think I love that it starts kind of what you're talking about of just, yeah, they'd wake up and they'd be starving. Yeah. So they just eat. all... Chowing down. Yes. Um, and by the way, John Hurt does a really good job oh of gosh. waking up from stasis and then just kind of showing that he's miserable yep. a lot of the time. And it's kind of because he was. Sometimes on set um, and later when we put them in those uh, space suits, it would get up to 106 degrees. Wow. And what they forgot to do with those space suits was give them somewhere for the air to get out when they're breathing. So they fainted several times. Oh my goodness. So they were legitimately just... Pretty miserable in the making of this movie. Wow. Um, but they would say later that there came a time and seeing the pa- the passion of this rookie director that they were like, this. I think this is going to be a big It's deal. worth it. Yeah, this is worth it. So we've got everybody eating around. We get to know uh, several characters a little bit. Dallas is there. Uh, Lambert, Ash, Parker. Um, all these, when these characters were originally written, they were pretty... Um, gender-neutral names because everybody goes by their last name. And so they told Ridley and the casting director that just plug it in however you want. It's going to be seven people. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Uh, And then we've got um, all of them together. They ended up with two women. Uh, And then one of those, in a Ridley Scott kind of way, is the protagonist. And so that is Sigourney Weaver as uh, Ripley. And Ripley, uh, this is her first... This is Sigourney Weaver's first like feature film. That is wild. She is very young here, but Sigourney Weaver has this way of being perpetually the same age for me always. Right? She's, yeah. She was 29 at this time. And so her and Ridley Scott, she said, kind of had this connection. It's like, all right, we're jumping into this thing together. Yeah, that's And cool. I wish I had more people that I would look at that were new at things and be like, okay, let's do it. And then it just becomes... Yeah. <laughs> and you're the both outlet like becomes alien. Turns out you're both like amazing. This. So everybody's kind of uh, getting back into their positions. We're starting to see some of the roles that they play. Um, Parker and... Oh, is it Ash? No. no. Ash is Ian Holm. Bilbo. You're right. Bilbo. Uh, didn't he, First of all, didn't even put that together. Really? That's crazy. Yep. Yep. So we have um, 
are two guys that are working <laughs> kind of the engineering. They're a little bit of everything. They're the handyman. They're the one that are trying to fight for having some more monies. Yeah. Um, so they kind of go down. We've uh, decided that they're kind of looking at their trajectory, right? Like how far have they gone? And we're not no. where we should be. We're not where yeah. we should be. Something's happened, uh, and they're trying to figure that out. And then, when does the? I mean, do we want to jump straight to when we start to hear the distress call? The distress. So call? the distress That's call. The first thing we what, hear. Yeah. The distress call is what pulled them out of stasis. Okay, mother gotcha. woke them up when the ship received. Yeah. The That's right. Call. We had the distress call. So sorry. It's Brett and Parker are the two that are Brett. Yeah, down that's there. the one I couldn't remember. Brett Harry and Parker. Dean's Isn't Andy. that a country country band? <clears throat> Brett and Parker. Oh, Red Dirt Road. Um, so we decide. Let's do it. I mean, people don't feel similar about this, um, which I think would happen with any smaller group of people. Right. It's like someone's going to kind of be like, uh, I mean, I don't think this is not why we came out here. So in this sense, it was like Brett and Parker. Like, if we're going to do this, you have to pay us more. Yeah, this and they're is kind not of our job description. In jest the whole time. They feel like some comic relief, which comic relief, while it can't exist in this movie, it's just as exhausting. It's just like, yeah, okay. Thanks. Nice try, but this is really dark. <laughs> well, and I think that's I think that's kind of what I liked is how it, their attempt at real life comic relief was swatted down and was yeah. like, okay, yeah, let's play your game. Nobody gets paid if we do it your way. Yes. So, and um, I'll go ahead and say it too. What was almost my super pump? The way that Ridley Scott did this, and what's fun is he kind of he didn't luck into it. He definitely had some skill that would he would continue on and you know become who he is today, but. He just kind of tried some things and was really, when I mentioned his arrogance and kind of stubbornness, he was like, this is going to go well. I'm just going to do it this way. And a lot of actors said that this had never happened for them. But instead of giving them a script, what he did is he gave them about five or six pages each of their past, of their history, of their background. So Harry Dean Stanton, who plays Brett, said, I read about my parents. I read about what my dad did. I read about all this stuff, how I got this job, how I found the Nostromo job. And read." Like Ridley Scott basically said, we're going to put you in these situations. There's going to be some lines, but I would prefer a lot of this happen organically. What? And that you just deal with what's happening. I've That's never why heard a lot that. of the stuff that would happen is he would like never tell them what was going to happen. And I I buy, want, especially, I think I can see that in Parker. I really, really buy that with Parker. Yeah. He uh, did a great job with that. Yeah. His yeah. dialogue felt really reactionary. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. He definitely leaned into that style. Um, but they decided that they're going to have three that go down um, to this planet. So the distress signal has come from a planet that they say is not very big. Um, but it seems kind of big as far as planets go. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we've got Dallas, Kane, and Lambert are going down. Um, so that's John Hurt, uh, Tom Skerritt, and Veronica Cartwright. So they're going down. And we're going to check this out. And then we have uh, some of the first artwork of Geiger. So Geiger is this artist who um, they showed his stuff to Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott wasn't going to make this movie. He said it wasn't going to be a legitimate movie. He said, I could have the cast. I could have the setting. I could have the story. If I don't have the monster, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can almost imagine like uh, some early concepts are worth looking into too because it's kind of gross. It, it almost looks like a bigger version of the like roach type guys from Men, Men in, in Black. Black. That's funny. Like, hey, man. Like that was what could the monster could have been. Interesting. Um, Glad it, it was not. But it was Geiger, who is the first credit is, that you'll is see. Swedish? Uh, Zurich is where they picked him up. Okay. So... I think so. Because he also designed the alien race that they first found, the giant alien. Yes. 
Yeah, um, the jockeys is what they yeah. call that. Um, he designed all that stuff. Anything that looks like it is somewhere between engineering and life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I can't figure, like, architecture and organic substance. Like, like the like, walls and the inside of the alien ship and, like, all that stuff. That was all him. That is yeah. all him. Uh, and so they see the ship, and the ship itself is just so gigantic. Gigantic and haunting. And now we've even got our three that are here that are like, I don't know if we should go in there. Like yeah. that's yeah. where the signal's coming from. But they decide to do it. Um, and so they go into the ship and we get to see them walk around. And the first thing that they come upon that's just really huge, besides those long halls that just look like they're alive, um, is this jockey, like this massive thing that Ridley Scott would later use for, um, I mean, a big plot point of Prometheus. Um, yeah. Which is a fun movie. Yeah. And also like worth Prometheus. a watch. But we see that. So that was a 27-foot actual prop, 27 foot tall. I'm such a sucker for those practical effects. I I love that so much. I think it's so super cool. And can you imagine like, I mean, the actors and everyone involved is living in a world that cannot refer back to Alien because they are living in the making of this movie. So what the heck are you thinking? And I think about that in movies all the time. Sure, yeah. Like you walk on a set and you're like, okay, I mean, it's it's my job. Right. It sounds obvious, but this is not inspired by Alien. This is alien. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like it sounds so obvious, but when you think, I think you're absolutely right. Ridley Scott was not going, oh, I've seen something like this and I want to do this. Right. Ridley Scott was creating and going, poof, this is it. Yes. Yeah. No, that's great. That's yeah. a good point. So Kane, John Hurt, God love him. This is one after you've seen this movie, you're like, man, dude, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but he uh, kind of discovers something. He sure decides to go under the jockey. And uh, it's all these lights, like these this cool effect, another kind of practical effect of like these laser lights. Do you know where those came from? I think I read this. So next door, The Who. No way. <laughs> was practicing a bunch of their like stage stuff. And these were lights given like to borrow by The Who. The no band The way. Who. That That's they would so use at funny. their concerts. And so what really Scott did and, and the actors just kind of grown through the fact that he loved smoke. I mean, you'll see kind of a fog machine almost all the time on the planet. And then obviously later when like the ship's just falling apart and stuff like that. But um, we see uh, Kane is kind of talking back to, uh, which it's important to say at the helm back at home base is Ash. Mm-hmm. And Ash is kind of the one who's guiding the mission a little guiding bit. Guiding the mission a little yeah. bit. Uh, science and, officer. Science officer which he should, if anyone's guiding the mission, it's the science officer. And so we have the eggs. And so did y'all see the effect of like the uh, dripping up Mm -hmm. from the bottom? Did you read about that? No. Uh So that was uh, Ridley Scott had them attach several of them to the ceiling and he took a camera and flipped it over and recorded like upside down of an egg on the ceiling so that he could have that effect and then flip the frame for that. Very awesome. Um, and then we look into the egg, and everyone in the world, Ugh. even if you've never seen it, is like, "What are you, bro? What Get are away!" You doing? Yeah, for real. Which is such a horror movie thing. Like, yeah. there's a lot of horror. This is a horror film to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know how you can kind of see the stuff in the egg moving around a little bit. Uh, horrific, horrific. All that is is Ridley Scott's hands in rubber gloves. Wait, really? Yes. No way. This, this to That's me, incredible was such a big pump because it was so much how he had his hands and everything, right? Like, it's an absolute metaphor for that. It's, like, tangible. But he, like, put his hands up there. He's like, why don't we try this? Because they had made it kind of see-through, and they were like, we don't know how to make it organic and move like we want it to. And he said, try this. And they were just like, roll footage. Like, we'll do that. Wow. So the egg opens up, and on the inside we see 
a practical effect again, which they used a lot of guts in this movie. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cow guts, some liver, um, nasty, nasty things. And uh, that's the introduction of the face hugger. So yep. uh, Kane gets hugged. Gets hugged on the mm. face, friendship by a creature that would eventually become kind of I- iconic in sci-fi cinema. Yeah, of just this nasty, nasty boy. Yeah, um, the way they filmed that is uh, someone was laying on their back with a camera facing up, and someone just threw that puppet down at them to make it look like it was shooting out. Um, and so we're back on the ship, and Ripley is not going to let the three that were on the planet in. Um, she's not for it, and so she's like they. They've there's there's so many times too, and what makes it even more horrible is how close so many characters are to not having to deal with the consequences. Yeah, to saving everyone of anything. Yeah, and I so think, I think this is the moment where Ripley breaks away. And mm-hmm. for me, I remember the first time I ever watched this. This was the moment where I was like, okay, she's she's our protagonist. Yeah, yeah. This is she's, the first time we see her operating in any way in opposition to something that's happening. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dallas and Lambert are like, let us in. We need we need to get in right now. Yeah, He's, Kane's gonna die. We have no idea what's happened. Um, and that effect too of like his helmet with that like an all we ugh. Anyways, all the way through. So uh, Ash decides, I'm I'm gonna let him in right out of the goodness of his heart because sure. he wants he wants Kane to survive. Um. So they let them in and and uh. I guess the next scene we will go to is in the infirmary. Yeah. When they decide yeah. they're going to cut off this it's helmet. Close up on the, of the that's, face hugger and it's breathing on his head. That's one of the most disturbing scenes, I think, uh, in I the film of cut, cutting it open and just opening it to have that thing. And then its tail wraps around his neck a little bit. I think in many ways the face hugger is more grotesque and more frightening than the xenomorph. The well, xenomorph is I a, would say the same. Is a more frightening presence. Yeah. But as a creature itself, the face hugger is way more like frightening to me and I've I've read um I've read something somewhere where Ridley Scott talked about a lot of what he was interested in with face huggers and the way that they like created the xenomorph yeah. and, and a female protagonist that a lot of the relationships he was talking about was like gender reversal of like yeah I read a, that too a female protagonist in a largely male led movie where the male is the the monster is created by impregnating a male yeah and like the male is forced to give birth to this yeah. monstrosity. Like it's a very interesting and uncomfortable dynamic shift. Yeah. That yeah. I think lends itself to I a think lot it's of brilliant. The way he it, taps yeah. it, it like it feels it feels so scary because it's such a I don't know, it feels like a uh uh maybe perversion is the right word, but just a, a like yeah. this is just wrong biologically. It is you know unnatural. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think I think any movie where something like this is going on and the only reaction I have is just, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll pass on this one. Yeah. That means you've done a good job. Yeah. So we've got them performing the surgery on that side. I think with Kane, it's it's Ash and Dallas in there. And then yep. everybody else is kind of waiting in the wings. And uh, Lambert, the girl who was on the planet, she's in there with Parker. And... Um, they're just kind of looking through the glass and are very uncomfortable. And then uh, Ripley walks in and then Lambert lays one on her, like a very like, like hits her in the face. That was real. And so every time she was trying that, Sigourney Weaver would duck. You're supposed to slap her. Sigourney kept ducking and anticipating it and stuff. And this actress says that Ridley Scott just said, hey, you need to, you need to surprise her. <laughs> and so it was like a slight miss. And then she comes back 
with another hand and actually, she said Sigourney leaned into it. And so she's like, I felt bad. I actually <laughs> like hit, hit her really hard. And then they have a tussle. Like yeah. Sigourney kind of reacts. And the whole time, which is just, and it, and it was just divine that this kind of fell into place. But like for Sigourney Weaver, for this to be her first movie, she talks a lot about how intimidating this was for her. Oh, I bet. Everyone else was big actors. I mean, John Hurt is on yeah, set. Like all these actors. Um, the guy who plays Parker was going to be Lando Calrissian. Did you know that? No, no way. But then he was like, he was afraid Lando Calrissian's character was going to get killed eventually and he would never get another job. He'd be like, I'm only going to be known as Lando. Wow. I mean, what else has Billy D done? I'm, That's true. He I mean, was kind of right. But... um. Yeah, so they would pick on her, especially him. I need to look at that actor's name again. Um, the guy who plays Parker, Yafet Koto. So he would pick on her really bad. And there was even moments where he would tell her, like, you're actually not the captain of this ship. Like, you've come in here and you really shouldn't be in this role. We're afraid you're going to make what's going to be a good movie really bad. Jeez. Wow. We're afraid that you're going to screw this up. And so Sigourney Weaver's got this chip on her shoulder the whole time. Some of it's fabricated. Some of it ends up not being because of how miserable they are. Yeah, wow. And some of those things culminate into actually getting cocked in the face by one of your... Yeah, no kidding. Like, fellow actors on stage. But Jeez. Um, they decide to kind of put him in the pantry. I mean, they just kind of put Kane away because they start to try and cut on this thing. And, and it, it drips death juice. Death juice. Another really cool effect of it kind of just going all the way through this One of floor. my favorite scenes is chasing it oh, all the way down. It's so And they intense. keep going down level and level, and they're like, no, this way, this yeah. way. This, oh, and Dallas so is like, don't get good. under it. Don't get yeah. under it. Don't get under it. Um, and so it kind of screws up the ship a little bit. Yeah. So um, we have that, put him away. And then there's some conversations. Let me know if I'm missing anything during this time. But we get a call from Ash to find out that uh, you need to come see this. You guys need to come up back to the infirmary. Um, They're like, is he okay? He's like, he's doing better. You just need to come see. So they come up and John Hurt's character is kind of rubbing the back of his neck. Mm -hmm. They ask him what he remembers. They're like, dude, oh my God, like... How are you doing? Um, and oh wait, do we? What, what was the scene where they're looking for it? Right, that's after that. That's after. That's after that. Okay, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, gotcha. So they're kind of asking him how he's doing, um, and he says, "Like I just remember having a really bad dream about basically being uh, smothered." And so they're like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, crazy. What a crazy Pre- dream. Pretty crazy. Let's have some. Uh, Let's have some dinner. Let's have some lunch about it. Um, so we start to eat. Um, I'll never forget what he's eating because I'm always trying to let myself know like what happens next. But John Hurt's eating some, some spaghetti or some ramen. Yep. And kind of starts to cough a little bit. Everybody reacts shocked except for Ash. Mm-hmm. Who's just kind of like, oh, Watching. Huh. Interesting. Um, and then I just feel like I've been talking most of the time. Does anyone else want to talk about what happens next? I do, really badly, actually. Go for it. (laughs) Um, Because this is my super pump. This scene is probably the most iconic of this movie. Easy. I think. Yeah. Um, And I think it's iconic for a reason, and it's because it is visceral and horrible and awesome. Yeah. And um, unlike anything that had happened before or kind of since for the most part. Yeah, right. Um, And most importantly, this is the birth of our titular alien. So yes. this in this scene, um, Kane does a full 360 Michael Jackson spin move yeah. and drops backwards onto the table being lowered by his friends who are all very concerned. Yeah. And then screaming and writhing in pain. One final time, he arches his back, 
starts to bleed from the chest and out the shirt, <laughs> out the rib cage, out the skin pops the face that will haunt us for the remainder of this movie. This is so <laughs> scary. It is, I mean, it's a lot here. Yeah. Out pops baby xenomorph who, by the do, way, apparently- do, 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 Yeah, right. Baby xenomorph, do, 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 do Apparently do, 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 they grow do, do. very quickly, but baby xenomorph pops out not happy and bounces. Just scuttles across that table. I mean- Dump on the scuttle across the table. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. Doesn't it doesn't look, look so good. It's, it's, it's essentially and then gone. But this, the, the chest bursting scene. Yes. It's my super pump and, and for a couple of reasons. One is, is how iconic it is. Two is how scary it is. And it's the birth of our xenomorph. Yep. But three is, I think ultimately my, my real super pump belongs to the atmosphere of this movie. Yeah. And the atmosphere shifts for the rest of the movie right here at this spot. Yeah. Is when this movie becomes alien. Yeah. And th- it it is this atmosphere of terror and and hesitation and yeah. confinement and claustrophobia. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, this moment gosh. they become prey, right? Right. There's something hunting us and we don't know what it yep. is or where it is. Right. Yep. And for them to film that scene, really, it was just John Hurt's head and arms through the bottom of that table. And from the neck down was the effect. So they knew that they were going to have the introduction of the xenomorph. The actors did. Um, they just didn't know how, how much blood it would be. And so the Yikes. girl who plays Lambert actually just got it all over her. Yeah, for real. Um, and they say the guy who played Parker um, just kind of went home after they got done filming that day and didn't really talk. He just told his wife he didn't really want to talk about it. And then wow. got up the next day and went back to set. It took him a while to kind of get over it, but he kind of picked up something to stab it. Yeah. And that was like a natural reaction. And then he's like, wait, I'm in a movie. I'm in a movie. I can't do this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Terrifying. So we're about to to go from hunting to hunted. Very much. But before we're hunted, I'd like to go somewhere else. Tell me. Let's change the atmosphere of our podcast forever. (laughs) Let's change our atmosphere (laughs) to one a little more friendly to... How you say a shout announcement? <laughs> uh, this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've officially reached our uh, Stop. destination. I don't think. I don't think so. Actually, Stop. it's shout announcements. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, different captain. That old guy was weird. <laughs> old weird captain. We don't like him. <laughs> so, uh, as per usual, our first shout out is going to go to Wax Space and Tyler Station. We drink your coffee. We record inside, yeah, and we're inside you right now. Thanks. You took your jokes away. You did. The other shout out's going to go to Podbean. We pay you money. We put stuff on you. Mostly our podcast, Podbean. Podbean. That's dot com. Oh, what? How did I miss that? Have you been saying that? We record a couple episodes without you every week. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I want to shout out another podcast. I know. I feel confident enough in my own podcast <laughs> to bring another one up. It's this, called Serial. Have you guys heard <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Don't listen to that one. It sucks. Um, a Story-Shaped Life. Ben and Sam Larsable, good friends of mine that are going through and essentially talking about how people are formed by and tend to live by the narratives that we create for ourselves. Mm. And so right now they're doing the Enneagram and talking through the Enneagram. Yesterday's episode is the Enneagram 6, which my wife is on. Chelsea. <gasps> She is on that one. So if you want to hear the other half of the Willis crew on a podcast as well, you could have a lot of us in two days. So check out A Story Shaped Life. 
I'm pretty confident I'm on the seven episode. They didn't ask me to do it and I haven't recorded like it, but I, I feel pretty good about the fact that I'm on it. That's such a seven thing to say. <laughs> I was on the five, quietly. My mic was muted <laughs> and I didn't say anything. Oh, that's so but five I was of you. It's a classic Check five, them out. honestly. I'd like to give a special shout out to everyone who has commented on our YouTube videos. Thank you. And left those as a review. So nice. Your kind words mean the world to us. Yeah. And unfortunately, they mean nothing to Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Boom. And we are trying to become official Rotten Tomatoes critics, and we've got to get to 200 reviews on iTunes. So if you could take all that good YouTube energy and just channel that into iTunes podcast store review energy, that would be muy bueno. Please. I boys. literally was also going to say muy bueno. That's very weird. Really? Gross. Same page, uh, While you're on iTunes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Smash it even. Smash, <laughs> smash that subscribe, subscribe button. button. <laughs> Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Let's, be, let's be YouTube people. Hey, do you guys know what we're talking about next week? I mean, no. <laughs> yeah? Tell me. <laughs> You're supposed to. It's, yes, and. It's no. improv. No. No, and. <laughs> no, and. <laughs> Go on. I can't wait to talk about this movie. It's mm. my second movie. It's mm. the second Denis Villeneuve movie of our series. Deep the second outer space, space movie. Of our the series. second outer space movie. Outer space. <laughs> Thank you. It's the same across every language. Gautel. 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 Cartier. Cartier, guys. Cartier. Cartier. That movie is Arrival, and it's coming at you real quick. Yeah. So check it out. Please watch it. I want everybody in the world to watch it. Please watch it. I don't really want everyone in the world to watch Alien. I mean, if you don't, like, if it's not for you, that's that makes sense. Show it to kids; it's funny. Don't. Mm, that's really mean. Don't show I it watched to kids. Predator way too young, oh, and it no. freaked me <laughs> out. Before you go, before you leave, shout announcements and head back to your big scary spaceship with a monster on it. I wanna, I wanna share something with you guys, my two co-hosts. This is something that I think will make your day. Okay. So I was doing my just my daily Wikipedia readings. Bar. Uh, and I happened upon the Wikipedia page for celebrity. Would you like me to read the definition? Are you going alphabetically or what? Really? Yeah, I was going alphabetically. <laughs> I read every single A and B word and most of the C words before I got Finally to celebrity. Made it to celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> celebrity is the fame and public attention accorded by the mass media to individuals or groups or occasionally animals, but is usually <laughs> applied to the persons or groups of people themselves who receive such a status of fame and attention. So the important thing to learn from that definition is that celebrity is applied by the yeah. celebrity themselves. Upon hearing How you read that full definition, I don't think that's what it's saying, but yes, I'm on board with this. I don't think that's what it's saying, but if you believe <laughs> enough, then I think we can call ourselves celebrity, can we not? I'd I love, love it. I would you love heard to. it here first. I love We're it. celebrities. And guys, what's the one thing that celebrities do? Spend money when they shouldn't. Oh, I am a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing celebrities do is hang out with other oh, celebrities. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So what do we got to do? I think we need to hang out with somebody famous. We're going to get a famous person on this podcast? And we need your help to make that happen. <laughs> so here's the deal, guys. Because it can't just be us. I can't express how low our standards are <laughs> right now. For real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our end. But but here's what we are proposing. Marriage to you, all of you. And then after that, what we want is we want you, our fans and listeners, to put us in touch. <laughs> this is so dumb. With 
the most famous person you Please. have a connection to. Please. Let's do it. The most famous person you know. Whether that's somebody who owns your local Chick-fil-A, whether your dad works for a news, <laughs> if you know an athlete. <laughs> an actual famous person. Jesse Awuji. If you still listen, we would Jesse, love to yes, hang out Jesse, with you. Kind yes. of even separate from the podcast. If you just want to kick it sometime, I would Jesse, love that. Please. Jesse, actually, we'll go on record right now in the middle of this announcement to say this announcement. Jesse, if you want to go see Fast and Furious oh present Hobbs and Shaw with us, <gasps> we're really down for that. For our second podcast birthday. October Yay. 10th, 2019. I promise oh. I won't forget this one. What are we going to do, Doge? We're going to interview a famous person. Woo! One of the famouses that you put us in touch with, whether that is the ghost of Ronald Reagan or the guy who owns every Best Buy in DFW, <laughs> we're going to interview him. Just the most famous person we can get. The That's most famous person that you can get. So the way that you submit your famous for our consideration is you send us an email at twochunksinahunk at gmail.com. We need this. Yeah, and when we say consideration, let's be very clear. We mean the answer is probably yeah. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for sure. I just know we're going to have to vet through. Like, what if we get a really famous person in August, September rolls around, and there's someone more famous? Sorry, August guy. We are. What if, we're, What if? I mean, I don't want to, but I'm willing to send Cher an email and tell her, sorry, we've gonna, we're going to get Ellen on the show. Do we? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I would love that. Do we intentionally cap out if we hit anybody who's connected to Fast and Furious? Do we officially say we're done there? We, maybe. If they were on screen, yes. All right. I love that. Okay. Okay. That's our ceiling, friends. Amazing. <laughs> Chunkies, you can make it happen. Pretty much only you, actually. Pretty much exclusively you, because we don't know any famous people. That's true. But we might be two, three, 15 separations away from a real famous person. Send a man. <laughs> Send a man. Uh, it's your old captain speaking again. We're going to be hitting some turbulence uh, heading back into the clouds. And we're back. We're back. And unfortunately, we got a little z- z- xenomorph baby on the loose. The terror of the xenomorph. How xenomorbid is that? <laughs> so we're having to uh, hunt him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a not. Okay. There's some double negatives there. Every scene from this point out is terrifying. Yeah, pretty much. From yeah. here to the credits, it's scary. Every scene from this point out is terrifying. Um, I love the introduction of the little tools. Yeah. We've got like this cattle prod, but it's not because it's stronger right. that we're hearing about. Um, got we've got drawer. the like proximity sensor thing. The proximity sensor, yeah. which we'll get to that in a little bit. It looks bit. like a big electronic juice box. Yes, it does. Um my super dump, though, was somewhere between introducing the Xenomorph Baby shout announcements and now. Okay. I didn't know this was my super dump until my most recent watch. There is not much time spent grieving this yeah. character. That's Kane. true. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's a close-knit space. You get to know people really well. But it's. I was at that point. I was like, "That's strange," because they just like send his yeah. body out into space. It was kind of a quick shot, and then uh, I started to compare a loss of anyone else. The whole movie, much bigger reaction. Yeah. Granted, maybe it's just because they're terrified and they are still getting over what they saw, and in this world actually saw. Well, I I always interpreted it as, are there more in him? 
Yeah. Right. Do we need to get out. rid of the body so that more don't come out? Right. Um, but, but I hear you completely. Yeah, I just think emotionally, they just kind of moved on. Again, they're hunting the scary thing that's in the house now. But that was my super dump because I was just kind of like, it seemed like the grief was one step behind. Yeah. yeah like they finally started grieving certain things as we went along. But again, that kind of helped in the crescendo of everything. But anyway, so yeah. we're going on and we've got different groups that are going to hunt this down. So... um Probably not excited about it. Sigourney Weaver probably wasn't excited about it, but she's on the team of Parker and Brett. Brett. So those three are together, and they have the uh, the net. They have a net. They have the the proximity sensor. The proximity sensor that Ash is telling them about that he kind of rigged up for them, uh, and they've kind of gone off. And they do a good job of being terrified. They do, yeah. I think all the actors do a good job of just being scared. They move, this sounds weird, they move like people who know they could be got. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we're starting to pick something up on uh, our tool here, and it's in the locker. Still terrifying. I know exactly what's about to come out of this locker. Yeah. Still makes me jump every time. Still makes me jump. Because I'm like, maybe Ridley went in there, Ridley changed Scott things. changed oh, things. The one that makes me jump every time is the air vent. Like jump a full foot off of my chair using just the contraction of my butt cheeks. Yep. It shoots me. <laughs> and we will get there next. Yep. But we open that locker door and it's the little kidder, little Jones. cat, kitty little cat, Jones. Little kitty cat Jones. How did he? How was he in stasis? Was he in somebody's pod? I think he was I think actually. He was. Okay, cute. Um, cute. <laughs> but Jones, did you know Sigourney Weaver was actually allergic to Jones? No. So this was something that she realized. So what they would do is they would, I can't remember what the name of it was, that they would spray onto the actors to make it look like sweat. Um, Water. Okay, maybe that was it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's a scene where Sigourney Weaver is holding Jones. She starts kind of like breaking out and turning red and stuff. And she thought it was the stuff they sprayed on her. Then she's like, oh no, I'm allergic to the cat. Ridley Scott has four of this same cat so that they don't have to deal with PETA or anything like that. I can't tell him I'm allergic to this cat. Or else they're not—they're going to kick me off. You know, like the kind of stuff that right. you say to yourself yeah. when you've got a new job or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was just kind of something that she was dealing with. But it's the cat. Maybe she should have taken a Xeno drill. Probably. That's good. No, it isn't. <laughs> I think it's a chewable. Um, <clears throat> Xeno drill will not protect you from tongues going through your face. Mm, um, true. Xeno drill will not protect you from the terror of the Xeno. <laughs> so we move on from them, and much like a good horror movie. You don't have much time off. No. We come over to the other crew. Okay. And we've got Dallas in the vent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is my super pump. Yep. Okay. This is Ridley Scott at his finest of just taking something and affordably, like, and just making such a dense experience. I don't know how else to describe it. But no, I think that's right. How did you take a grid that had 25 squares and put two dots on it. And make it and so And make intense. that so terrifying. For real. And that played such a big part to it. But editing, how it followed Dallas around, the different angles we would get, those apertures that made the worst noise when they close. Like all of these terrifying, terrifying things. And, and then we start to see Dallas freak out. Did you know yeah. that those apertures were a metaphor um, no. that when they close, they close up like giant metal buttholes, similar to the oh. way that mine does for most yes. of the time I'm watching the second half of yeah. this movie. Ah! <laughs> I was in. <laughs> Still am. 
Uh, hey, but at least we got the phrase giant metal buttholes on our podcast. Yeah, we That's did what it. I've been dying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, if you're playing two chunks and hunk, bingo. <laughs> hey, winner. Um, but Dallas is, is terrified, and everybody's doing a really good job of being very uncomfortable right yes. now, especially Lambert. She's to the point to where it's annoying. It's yeah. just it's like full on terror, but she just cannot yeah. deal. The so actress sells that really well. She really seals, she seals it and sells it really, really well. She's just like, um, <laughs> so did we, did we jump over Kane in the room with all the chains? We did. Cause he's, he's hunting Jones. Yeah. Before yep. we do that, we'll go ahead and off Dallas. Yep. Because Dallas is like, okay, well, I guess I'll go up this ladder when everybody's just like, just go, just go, just go, just go, just go. And he turns back around one more time. Oh, man. Ta-da! I jump every time. Yeah, every <laughs> single time. I forget every time. Xenomorph in the vent right there. Terrifying. Which, which like, something that big and that small of a space gives me the heebity jeebities. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. I mean, good grief. Certainly. The actor that they found for this was this, like, seven-foot-one dude. Yeah. Who had, like, really skinny arms. Have you ever who- seen the picture of him without the head on? Yes. smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Just sitting so in his costume. Oh, it's so and funny. so what they would try and do is... Um, because we're going to see the alien again when we have him with uh, our friend in the chain dungeon. That's true. Um, that's our first shot of the alien. That's our first shot all. of the alien. And so Ridley Scott intentionally kept them from seeing this creature. Oh, man. Um, the creature itself has only four minutes of, of screen time, the entire movie. It's in, in any, starting with, not the face hugger, but starting with the, Chest, guy, the yeah, actual xenomorph. Um, four minutes, which... That's what makes it really scary. That's a Jaws thing to me, yes, honestly. Exactly. Um, which, by the way, uh, the chest scene was considered Bravo had done in like 2004, the 100 scariest scenes of all time. The chest scene was number two. Wow. To Jaws number one. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. The first time that we see Jaws yep. uh, was considered number one. Um, but yeah, Ridley Scott would keep them away from that. He had his, it had its own little pod when they would put all the prosthetics and stuff on it. To kind of keep it away. Also, that guy couldn't sit down because of that tail. So they had made swings everywhere that he could just kind of sit in. That That's is so funny. Really cute. I would love to see the Isn't xenomorph just swinging on a little I want swing. anything that makes me not as scared of it. Aliens are so cute right now. I didn't know. Between Jones and the pod. And yeah. Probably the cutest movie I've ever seen. Xenomorph Swing. Isn't that a Coldplay song? Yes. Xenomorph Swing? Yeah. Uh, poor Brett has decided to try and get Jones, the yep. cat. Um, and just the scene. All these sets are great. This is all Geiger stuff. Um Actually, no. A handful of the stuff that was Nostromo was another artist. This was a guy who kind of did, um, practically would design spaceships. It's Mm. something that doesn't exist, but he would make it function. That's cool. Um, But we're walking through actually a few parts of the the ship here and just the juxtaposition of how terrified everyone is. And all he's doing is like, Jonesy. Yep. Meow. Meow. Just through all this terrifying stuff. He is... Playing to a T the trope of the character who who has yet to fully understand the threat of what is happening. Yeah. Um, so he gets got uh, with kind of deceptive chains hanging down. Oh, man. He that gets chopped up. of the xenomorph up in the chains. Not fun. And then Parker is looking oh, up boy. and the blood is mixed with the water now. Um, not good. So the kill count now. We've lost Kane. We've lost Brett. We've lost Dallas, Dallas right after that. Dallas. Uh, and so now uh, we have um, 
Ripley is just trying to figure stuff out and she's really freaking out. And so she's done with everything. We can see that she's kind of been noticing Ash being weird for a long time. Like, why did you open the door when I was trying not to let that thing in? Why are you doing all of these things to let it happen? So she says, hey, here's the deal, dude. I have override. I have access to mother. I'm going to talk to her myself. And Ash is just kind of not reacting and kind of reacting. But anyways, Sigourney Weaver goes in. Uh, Ripley's in there. She starts typing. And this is such a feels iconic in itself of just the yeah. green font just kind of it's it's vaguely 2001 yeah yeah much. the ai not cooperating kind of a thing yeah vaguely um and then she does an override because it was like the science officer's eyes only only to find out that they had redirected there was a whole yep. new mission now and that the entire the crew was fully known crew the expendable. entire crew is expendable here's a low key terrifying scene that has no alien in it. Yep. When she leans back and he's right Ash there. Is and right there. Ash is right there. He, yep. is, uh, he has been officially named a threat. Yep. And he has been revealed to be right there. Yeah. What, we still what, don't know the final truth about him though. Right. We don't at this point. And so she's trying to leave. Um, they kind of have a little bit of an altercation that gives her a nosebleed, but she's trying to leave. The doors are closing. She's like, Ash, open it up. Not totally knowing what a threat he is yet. And then he just Things change. We, we see, see his this robo milk blood bead of. Um, he is not Bilbo. He is Billbot. Billbot. There it is. We see this bead of Billbot three thousand milky white sweat come off the top of his head, and you're like, huh? And this isn't even ever how like a robot has ever been revealed, no. right? Or ever looked like another kind of Ash is the one character that Ridley Scott wrote. Okay, there was not uh. going to be an AI there. And he was, he was inspired by, this was a shot at producers. He's like, it's as if you have a suit on the set, somebody who's wow. actually in control and they're trying to take their own narrative. Interesting. Wow. Right. And so he did, that didn't come to light to the director's cut and it's made $200 million. Yeah. That was like, and hey, like, producer, something about it. This is you guys. <laughs> um, but it, it ends up being a real pivotal part of the story arc. And so we have a terrifying scene. So the scene where, so Ash is looking and uh, he's those chimes, like, Kind of distract him. That was a cameraman running into the chimes, and it was a legitimate. It was a legitimate like diversion. Oh wow! Ian uh, Holm was just in character, and he kind of turns. It's like, huh? and then they just move the scene over there. Um, but he's stuffing this. It's awful. He's like stuffing this magazine down yeah. Ripley's throat. Uh, Parker and Lambert come in, and then we have another disturbing scene. He's flipping out. He's kind of milky. He really explodes right here. Ash explodes right here. Gets his head knocked off by Parker. Big um, time. When they were doing uh, first screenings of this movie, um, people were very disturbed. Sure. People were. So actually the first successful screening, one screening they had, the audio was really bad. And, it, and it, they were like, oh, crap. We need to get this to a place that's better. The second one was Dallas. In Dallas, Texas. Wow, no way. Was the first really successful screening that people were uh, vomiting. Um, <laughs> a guy who was working at the theater that was in the aisle and Usher passed out at this point when Ash's head gets knocked what? off. Uh, and they said one of the terrors that they didn't expect was any woman that was watching the movie that had had a child before, the chest scene was something even worse. The birth, wow. to kind of wow. see that was just this kind of like connected, like this is the most disturbing thing I will ever see. But anyways, Ash has been revealed to be a robot. Um, the effect is kind of good. Ridley actually hates, Ridley Scott hates the scene where it moves from fake head to Ian Holmes' actual head under the table. It's a little rough. It's a little rough. 
Um, I feel like it still mostly holds up. Yep. He was like, but to, I had to push through and I wasn't going to, Yeah, we couldn't redo it. Um, so that's been Once revealed. Once we're too real head, it looks great. Yeah. The transition and is a little, a little tough Those entrails are spaghetti. No yuck, way. Clear marbles and bad caviar. Oh, spoiled caviar. That's right. What? And so um, he's got, and his little, his last line before they just torch him is, um, I wish you the best. Like, good luck out there. Like this thing's thing's basically indestructible. Yeah. Um, Which, and and I know what we're not talking about right now is the sequel movie Aliens. But, and think whatever you want about that movie, it's okay. But we get the counterpoint to Ash. We get Bishop in Aliens. And it's so much fun to see the difference between these two characters and how awesome Bishop is versus how horrible Ash is. Yeah, And so it seems like this with the the curse of knowledge, knowing what comes later of like, you could have been so awesome yep. and you were awful. Oh, yep. it's so good. So good. Um, Ripley decides we're going to blow the ship. She's yep. like, I'm the captain. We're blowing the ship. We're going to get the out heck of out of here. Uh, and so they're collect- collecting a lot of tanks to get ready to get ready to blow the ship. And it's Parker. It's coolant, right? Coolant, I think, maybe. Yeah. Parker and Lambert are together down there and Lambert has seen something. Could Lambert have been a little louder with those tanks, do you think, maybe? Right. I think She's, she for me to me, it feels like a blind terror of like, I'm just getting this just stuff. Go, and no, I, I completely have, agree. I can't process But the whole scene, me. if I'm all I'm thinking is if I'm Parker, I'm like, stop. Yeah. Stop and, it. Loud. and Parker's yeah. just screaming at her to like get out of the way. I'm about to blast this thing. You need to get out of the way. And they're both just to a halt, can't move, mm-hmm. terrified. Um we don't really see how they die. We don't see how Lambert dies necessarily. Uh, we just see a reveal of Sigourney looking in and seeing how they died. Someone asked Ridley Scott, like, how did how do you picture the alien killing Lambert? And he said, I, I pictured the alien trying to stuff her through a vent that was way too small for her body. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> Ridley would have a lot of ideas too that never made it to screen because it would have been literally rated X. He had sure. it was the first cut was very bloody and it ran at about three hours long. Ooh, um, I want it. Yeah, I'll watch. Yeah, it. emphasis on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre inspiration that he had. Um, so the both both of them are dead, and the only ones alive now are Jones, yeah, Ripley, and the Xenomorph. Yeah, this is this is peak Alien. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the best part of the movie. Easy. Absolutely. And so um, she's kind of shutting everything down, and it's taking so long. It feels like it's taking so long for like the override and all this kind of stuff to get into the ship that's going to get away from this massive Nostromo type thing. Um, and she's getting away from the alien, shutting all these doors, stuff's blowing up. Um, she's grabbed... <laughs> there's... Supposedly, when the movie came out, there were a lot of people just... that had, It was notorious that someone, at least someone would scream, leave the cat. Really? <laughs> leave the blanking cat. Just don't even... Yeah. Don't go back and get Jones. Um, that's, that's not her. That's not that's, Ripley. That's not Ripley. Um, and so she has kind of shot away... We see it in the background. A pretty fun explosion in space to hear the yeah, countdown it, from Mother. It goes on for about six hours. It's like three or four. <laughs> yeah, a long explosion. <laughs> and so we're chilling. Um, space suit's been Roll pretty, credits, right? pretty hot. <laughs> and so all is well. The, the way this movie was supposed to end, or the way Ridley Scott wanted it to end, was that uh, Ripley would discover that the xenomorph is on um, on the ship with her. It would kill her. Um, Jeez. And then because it had learned Dallas's voice, it would send out a, uh, basically what her final scene ends up being of yeah. all the people that died. And be like, come pick us up. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
That is bleak. Just so bleak. It's it's up there with Keller just dying, right? Keller was supposed yeah. to like not even have any chance in prisoners of like Jeez. any kind of redemption, but super bleak. And they were like, really? No, thanks. Let's let's have a yeah. hero. Um, and so this scene of her quietly trying to she's noticed it's there, right? It's just kind of chilling. And that's my super dump. Okay. Hey, this is my super dump. It's nice. That, it's there and it's just kind of chilling. Yeah. There's not really any explanation for why he's looking goofy and sleeping. I over believe there and, like, it is stuck. That's that feels lame to me. Me that too. He's stuck. Me too. But my understanding is that it had tried to crawl onto the escape pod through a vent, not realizing that the vents were smaller than the vents on the Nostromo and was stuck. That's my understanding. But there is yeah. no explanation. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. No, which that is my super dumb. That always stands out as weird to me. It's like what perfect organism, like designed for killing, apex predator. Get stuck taking in a hammock cables. nap. Like, what's yeah. going on? Everybody has a bad day, you know. Yeah. That's how I always saw it. No. <laughs> had a bad day. American so, Idol, two thousand one. Had a happening. Bad, had a bad daily. And- um, I guess harpoon. Is that what we're gonna say? Yeah. That's how yeah. she kills it. I'll call it a harpoon. Harpoon's that bad boy. It out of the spaceship closes that door. This is this is the sequence in which the alien suit doesn't work for me. Looks like a rubber. It's oh, clearly a yeah. dude in a rubber suit when he's outside of the ship. Yeah, and looks that's like what really a, Scott was trying to avoid a lot yeah. of the time. That's why you would just have like just fractions Quick shots. in a second. Yeah. Love the way it dies. Yeah. Yeah. I was satisfied with the death, but I see that with you guys too. I would, I dump on the him just kind of laying in the side. Yep. And yeah. And so she's weird. just got um, Soul Survivor. She sends a message back to anyone that can hear it and just goes to sleep. And now I really want to watch Aliens. Yeah, it is, I do too. It is a tough immediate fault. We watched really? Aliens right after we finished Alien. I haven't seen it in years. And uh, it's it's so fun, but it is an action movie. I mean, it's yeah, James it's Cameron now. You know I mean? So, yeah, you don't expect nuance. It's James Cameron at this point. Some of the writers Man, the Queen for awesome. uh, Alien said that really Alien is the only one that was a horror movie. Everything right. else is kind I of an action that. adventure. Well, and yeah. I will say it is funny. Uh, at the very beginning of Aliens, she looks at Jones and she goes, you're staying here this time. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. And then she's like, what are we, some kind of aliens? <laughs> some kind of what, aliens, what the second we? one? What are we? Um, yeah, that's roll credits. That's it. Uh, if you turn up the volume really high, right there at the end of the credits, you can hear an egg opening. No way. Yuck. Gross. I bet, and it's just occurring to me now, if you go back through this episode and tally up the number of times that I have said no way this episode... I would be very embarrassed. <laughs> would be the final result. Somebody do us. Somebody give us that number, please. No, please don't. It's time to rate this movie mm. using science, the one that Ash tried to use to destroy mankind. <laughs> the scientific cinema scale created by us four movies, and it is perfect and as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that, that poster. poster. The next thing, that's going to be buy it and then rent it. That's followed by stream it, and then forget it. And last, but certainly least, the worst thing we can ever say about a movie. God, God hath forsaken, forsaken us. By the poster. Um, alien for me, as like a lover of film, I, this might have been even before I was a lover, and it like helped me get there. Um, just had me look at the future and fiction in general kind of a different way. I had always loved how... Gritty, and it was kind of cool to compare this to Gladiator and what he did to Rome. It's like it's not the feeding of grapes all the time, and right for Alien, it's not outer space. Isn't everyone's wearing white and having a good time? Like outer space is still your life, and your life still sucks. And yeah. so, um, 
it's just so very good. And, um, you know, this is the one that Mr. Scott told me uh, was one of his favorites too when I said that to him in Oxford in the uh, cemetery. That's we, still the craziest. We talked about Alien. Um, I mean, I just love it. I think I could not believe that this was his second movie ever. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And Alien is also and will be even by the end of this series the oldest movie we've ever reviewed. Yep. And nothing about this movie, well, not much about this movie <laughs> makes it so dated to make it feel really old. And I think that's just because he paid so much attention to detail with the gloves and the egg. He's using the handheld yeah. camera. Yeah. He's writing histories of these characters. Everything and felt very intentional and very thoughtful. Much so. so buy the poster for me. Yeah. I'm also going to give it an own it, don't lend it, buy that poster. Uh, Alien, to me, is a masterclass in slowly, in the slow boil. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, there's the story of if you put a frog in a pot and slowly boil the water, the frog's not going to know that it's boiling and it's going to boil itself to death. I don't think you realize that the water's boiling until the chest burst are seen. And then at that point, the water's too, too hot for to you get to out. get out. Yeah. 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 That's such a good metaphor. Yeah. That's a good call. And it's, morbidly appropriate. Yeah. It's easily a own it, don't lend it by that poster for me. Um, I mean, it, for for my taste, for the things I like, it's pretty close to perfect. Yeah. Um, I think everything else I could say about it has been said. It's for real. So good. Did y'all ever ride? It's not even there anymore, but... At Dis- Disney? Disney World, yeah. No, uh, I didn't. I have. I was there once when it was still open. Me too. And I was far too young to even dream about getting on well, it. Well, what's so like mean is it's taking you through like movies it's like singing in the rain wizard of oz oh it's kind of dark what's all the fog everywhere and then there's a point to where you have your boat and you're going you're in nostromo and you're like going in the water and it's like sigourney is like a little animatronic like looking around with the flamethrower and then just this tail drops nope right above you no, it's thank you at all. the most terrifying thing. So you never really see the xenomorph on that ride, but it's I saw enough. And that part of it only lasts like 30 seconds, but... Uh, no, thank you. That would be big oopsie bathroom for me, I <laughs> yeah, think. Not even into big it. Big time. No, thank you. So next week, make sure you tune in because we are talking about another alien-related movie. Yay. Arrival. And luckily, the bad dream is over. Like, we've... The worst part... The, the scariest, scariest alien. The scary alien times it progressively are is going to get less scary. Yes. That is funny. It Thank gets, goodness. It, it <laughs> gradually gets lighter hearted, I think, which is yep. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I love that we're tackling three directors' takes on first encounters with aliens. Yeah. Like, I think that is so interesting to see the different interpretations. I'm really excited to keep going with this. Maybe. Much. What if I surprise you guys and I pull out The Adventures of Tintin for my second Steven Spielberg Do it! movie? That would be terrible. Do you really like that movie, though? But that's not the one. You'll, you'll learn about it next week. <laughs> to end today's episode, I would like for us each to say our name and a funnier body part to pop out of for the xenomorph oh, no. than the chest. For two chunks and a hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders, and I'm going to say the butt. <laughs> for two chunks and a hunk, I'm Doge, and uh, it's butt for me. <laughs> and then I'm butt. <laughs> uh, Carter, and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to say the butt. Oh. I like that twist at the end. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.